Hey, it's Ian Altman. Before we dive into this week's episode, do me a favor and stop by and visit GiversEdge.com. There are only a few gifts I've received over the years that really stood out, and they were all sourced by the ruling group who you can find at GiversEdge.com. Hey, it's Ian Altman. I'm thrilled to have with me today Ryan Levesque. Ryan's a software entrepreneur. He's the author of the number one national best-selling book, Ask. It was also the number one marketing book of 2015 by Inc. Magazine, and Entrepreneur Magazine listed it as the number two must-read book for budding entrepreneurs. Now, he's used the method we're going to talk about today, the Ask Method, to help build multi-million dollar businesses in 23 different industries, generating over $100 million in sales in the process. And since then, his student entrepreneurs have used the Ask Method in thousands of different industries to launch and scale their businesses online. In addition to offering training, certification, and live events for entrepreneurs looking to launch and grow their businesses using this Ask Method, Ryan has also invested in Bucket.io, and this is a segmentation software that entrepreneurs are using to implement the Ask Method in their business. We're going to talk about the biggest mistakes that people make when it comes to surveys, the biggest gaps that he sees in people actually knowing about their customers, and what you can do to generate better results from your marketing by having segmented opportunities. I'm telling you that when I read his book, I went through some of the stuff two and three times. These are really gems. So you're going to love my conversation with Ryan Levesque. Ryan Levesque, welcome to the show, man. Ian, I'm so grateful to be here and really excited to be talking with you. Well, I I will tell you that when I read Ask, the biggest complaint that I have about it is that I sat down to read like a little bit of it. And then next thing you know, it was like nothing else could get in my way. And I just like was immersed in the book. And and obviously, we're going to unpack that a fair amount. But I mean, I kind of became consumed with it. But first, let's take a step back and What are the big challenges and kind of mistakes that people make when it comes to knowing their customers and when it comes to marketing that this book really addresses? That's a great question. So, Ian, I think one of the biggest mistakes that I see people make all the time is they assume and they assume they know. And so when I talk about with especially successful entrepreneurs and business owners, this idea of surveying your market to better understand their pain points, their unique wants and desires as a starting point to better sell to your prospects and better serve to your better serve your customers. Whenever I bring that idea up, inevitably it's met with resistance. People say, Oh no, 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 no. I know what my customers want. I know who my customers are. And I think it's this curse of knowledge that represents the biggest mistake is that the more successful we are, we are our own worst enemy. And the real key to unlocking the potential in your business and better serving your customers and selling more is to have that beginner mind. A Zen mind is a beginner mind. And walk in to your business as if it's the first day that you're there. Walk into your business as if you know nothing about your customers and you're making no assumptions, just like a scientist who is conducting an experiment and entering into that experiment without any bias or any uh, uh, preconceived ideas and just letting the data, letting the feedback, letting your market tell you the truth. 
You know what? I I love that. One of the one of the things that struck me is as because we're we're starting to go through the ask method internally with our clients, mm. and so the initial part was well, you know what? So we're creating this online learning center, and so my director of marketing, who I absolutely adore and think the world of, said, okay, well, let's ask people what should we have in the online learning center. I said, let's take a step back. We're assuming people want an online learning center. Totally. Maybe they don't even want one. Why don't we first ask, and this is something that you script out in the book, why don't we first ask, what's the single biggest area that we can help you with? And then once we get a sense of that language, it becomes a little bit better. So when it comes to this idea of starting to send out a survey, where should people start and, and where, once again, the gaps where people fall down? Totally. So you brought up the second biggest mistake that people make. We talked about the biggest mistake. The second biggest mistake is people ask the wrong types of questions. So it's natural for us to want to say, okay, well, is the ask method as simple as saying, uh, asking people, what, what is it that you want? And then giving it to them. Um, and inevitably, whenever I say that, there's there's someone who, in, you know, if you're listening to this right now, you might be thinking, um, uh, you know, Henry Ford, you know, he was a pretty smart guy, you know, uh, just finished reading the book Simplify and Ford was one of the most, um, you know, incredible growth stories of the last uh, 20, you know, the last 100 years plus. And, uh, you know, he's famous for saying if I had asked people what they wanted, they would have said faster horses. And so the biggest mistake that people make here in this type of um, uh, um, second biggest mistake that we're talking about here is they ask what people want. People don't know what they want. None of us know what we want, right? Um, The only thing that we're really good at giving an accurate answer to, two things. Number one is past behavior. Number, Number one is past behavior. Number two is what it is we don't want, And the analogy I always like to give is if you've got a loved one, a spouse, a significant other, and you think about a time when the two of you have planned uh, going out for a meal together, right? And inevitably, you you go through that dance that we all go through. Hey, honey, you want to go out for dinner tonight? Oh, sure. Yeah, that sounds really nice. Okay, what do you feel like? What do you want? I don't know. What do you want? What do you feel like? And you play that dance. You go back and forth, right? But then you proceed by taking a next step and you say, okay, well, um, well, let's narrow it down. Is there anything that you absolutely don't want? Anything you don't feel like eating? I don't want pasta because I'm trying to be low carb and healthier. I don't want sushi because we had sushi last night. And you go down that path. So knowing what it is that we don't want, that's something that we can very accurately answer. And the difference is the part of the brain that you ask someone to access when you're asking these different types of questions. If you ask someone, what is it that you want? What should we build our product? You know, what should we include in our product? What is it that you want? You're asking someone to project. They're speculating. They're projecting into the future what it is that they might want. And they're doing, basically, they're making a guess. But when you ask people what is it that you don't want, they're accessing their history. They're accessing their past experience. And they're saying, well, the last product that I bought, this was crap, so I don't want it to be like this. And so when you're asking questions, it's important that you're asking questions around what it is that people don't want and their past behavior related to what it is that you're intending on selling. And and Ryan, is it also key to kind of get a sense of, the the way the way that we approach it was what's your biggest frustration when it comes to 
sales and business development or absolutely yes. you know, that, that sort of side. Because what I find is that people have a pretty good handle on their own symptoms or complaints. They don't necessarily what, know what the outcome should be. They just know that they don't like their current situation because of these factors. Exactly. They're problem aware. They're not necessarily solution aware. Right. Um, and so the, the, to, speak to your specific situation, there are a lot of different ways that you can um, phrase the question. So in my world, in the ask method world, it's something that we call the SMIQ, which stands for the single most important question. And so this is a question that you actually want to spend a fair amount of time really thinking through. It seems like it's almost inconsequential. I'm just going to ask a question. Well, no, the quality of the answers you get, the quality of the data that you get from your market is directly related to the quality of the question you ask. And that old adage here is true. The answers are easy. It's the questions that are hard. Yeah. So you really want to spend a lot of time thinking about this. But a couple ways that you can phrase it as we think about how to frame this SMIQ, the single most important question is, when it comes to X, where X is the thing that you're intending on helping people with. So when it comes to... Uh, generating more sales from the stage, when it comes to uh, eliminating the cellulite on the back of your thighs, when it comes to having a more enjoyable listening experience when you're sitting on an airplane, speaking about music, what is the biggest challenge, the biggest frustration, the biggest obstacle, the biggest hurdle that you run into? And the word that you choose there, hurdle, obstacle, frustration, challenge, is really context-specific, right? So for someone trying to eliminate their their cellulite, maybe it's the biggest challenge. For someone who's looking to have a better listening experience, if you're thinking about building a better set of earphones, headphones for um, noise-canceling headphones, it might be what's been your biggest frustration. Sure. Right. And so but that framework, when it comes to X, what's been your biggest challenge or frustration? Um, please be as detailed and specific as possible. Recently, you were at the same location that you were speaking at. And it's funny because you had said, look, everyone's everyone's natural inclination is that when you get these results, you look for the most common answer and right. you gravitate towards that. But you told us that isn't what you want to actually do. So talk a little bit about that. Absolutely. So there's something that I call the myth of the FAQ, the frequently asked question. And it goes like this. For most of us, when we spend time looking at a survey, we get results from our customers or from our market. It's natural to look at the things that pop up most often, right? So we say, oh my gosh, this is coming up all the time. It must be a big issue. But in reality, you want to pay attention to a different type of data. And I'll illustrate this with a story. So one of the markets that we successfully entered using the ask method is the orchid care market. And in that market, it was a market where I had no experience, no knowledge, other than the fact that my wife and I bought a bunch of orchids and we killed them. Uh, (laughs) So I didn't really know a whole lot. We went into the market and I asked a question. When it comes to caring for your orchids, what's the single biggest challenge or frustration or question that you're running into right now? And the biggest question that came up head and shoulders above everything else watering. So people kept saying, watering, how to water, when to water. And so naturally I took that information and I decided to build a product on how to water your orchid. So I called it the ultimate guide to watering your orchid. We reached out to the same list, the same audience of people. We sold the book to them and we promptly sold zero copies. Zero, which is, which was less than your goal. 
But then when I went back at the data and looked at it a second time, Ian, it hit me like a two by four across the face. I looked at it and I noticed that there was a group of people I completely ignored. They, they were a much smaller group of people. So there were fewer of these people, but their responses sounded like this. They would say something like, you know, Ryan, the biggest challenge I'm running into is I can't keep my orchid alive after I repot it. Every time my orchid outgrows its pot, I buy a new pot, I try to repot it. Um, and yet for some reason it always dies and I'm doing everything by the book. I'm washing my hands. I'm sterilizing my tools. I know I'm supposed to be using plastic pots because porcelain pots and the glaze leaches into the potting material and kills it. Tell me, Ryan, what am I doing wrong now compare that response to water yep watering how to water so i went back and we paid attention to responses like that and there were four groups of people four buckets that emerged who were giving these long detailed passionate answers we shifted our entire focus to serving that segment of the market only and actually selectively ignoring everybody else and we took that business from nothing to twenty five thousand dollars a month in 18 months and we took eventually to half a million dollars a year in a tiny little obscure market, teaching people how to care for their orchids. So the lesson, the soundbite, Ian, is this. Depth of response is far more important than frequency of response. I've got some assumptions that, that we can that we can discuss about that because my, my feeling is this, and it's funny, having, having gone through the SMIQ stage but not – not gone uh, further than that yet in with our clients, one of the things that we uncovered is that the first response was leads, more leads, leads, more leads. And that was very frequent. But it was mm. the people who said, you know, it's not so much leads. It's about our team better qualifying because I feel like we spend a lot of time here, but we don't spend it there. And, and we're missing opportunities we should. And what got to me was this, was that, the most frequent brief answer is the person who candidly hasn't invested much to solve it to begin with. Totally. And so yeah. they're probably it's probably a pretty good indicator that if they didn't invest money or time or resources to solve it to this point, they're not going to going forward. But the people with the more in-depth answers, the more verbose are basically saying, so look, dude, I've tried this. I've tried that. I bought this. I bought that. It's still not working. If you, if you tell me a way to solve this thing, I'm in. Yeah. Yeah, totally. I mean, and that's exactly what you're looking for. And so you think about it, right? If you just think about your own consumer behavior, right? Imagine if that you're on the other end of that survey, right? And it's you and it's someone sends you a survey and most people, they say, but I never fill out surveys. I never, um, you know, uh, provide feedback on anything like this. Um, and that's true because most of the things that we're exposed to, we actually don't care enough. Right. It's not a big enough problem or pain in our life. And that's actually a good thing. You're kind of weeding out all the people who would otherwise be a waste of your time to try to convince. Now, imagine for a moment that it's a it's a health condition. Right. Um, it's a health condition that you've been living with for years. You've tried everything in your power and someone reaches out to you and says, hey, I'm an expert in this health condition. Um, and, uh, I'm putting together a program to serve people and to really, to cure people with this, with this health condition. Now, if, if you really haven't given a whole lot of effort, put a whole lot of effort into solving your issue, you might casually answer this survey and say, 
exactly what you're, you know, the example you just gave you, right? You might just yeah. throw in a couple words and say, yeah, whatever. And, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm dubious. I'll just, you know, whatever. I'm going to keep going on my merry way, but I'm going to, you know, I, I'm not necessarily, you know, desperate, if you will, to solve this problem versus if it's something you've been living with for years and you've spent thousands of dollars on it and you've seen dozens of different doctors and nobody's been able to help you out, you might be more inclined to tell that story. Hey, listen, I've tried everything and you're willing to, you know, uh, uh, you know, go uh, an extra mile to, to solve it. In fact, you might even be willing to get on the phone with the person um, uh, potentially solving this problem to better help them shape the um, solution that they are creating. And, you know, if that person were to create a paid product that solves your health problem, you'd probably be willing to give it a shot. Yep. Um, and that's the, that's the type of person you're looking to identify, isolate, and then gear all of your marketing towards them. It's exactly. In, in fact, one of the things that I teach people is, look, most organizations don't have a shortage of opportunities. What they have is a shortage of resources, and by pursuing the wrong opportunities, you don't give the proper attention and focus to the people who should be deserving of your attention. Totally. And you take it a step further, Ian, and you think about your messaging and the language that you use. Right, We're so inclined, it's natural uh, tendency for all of us to not want to shut down any opportunities, right? So we keep our, you know, we've been told, keep your options open, right? But we've also been told that when you keep all the doors and windows open in the house, that it lets in a draft, yep. right? And so it's important to be uh, focused. And so when you think about your copy, if you do any sort of physical speaking, you want to think about who you're speaking to in the audience. If you write copy on a website or in emails, who are you writing to? Are you trying to write to everybody, the person who leaves the answer watering? Or do you want to write to Janet, who left you that long, detailed, passionate response? In your email, do you actually want to speak right out to her and say, listen, and if you've tried to repot your organ a bunch of times and you keep killing it, you're probably thinking to yourself, maybe it's you. Maybe you've got some curse. Maybe there's something you're doing wrong. Maybe you're just not cut out for this. Well, I want to tell you something. It's not true. There's some mistakes that people make that they don't realize they're making. They mean well, especially people who are really trying extra hard. You're speaking to that individual to the point that you want to alienate the person who's saying, whoa, that's way too deep. Like I just got my orchid yesterday. I just want to know, do I put two cups of water or one cup of water? That person ain't buying from you. Exactly. They don't really care about it. Yeah, because until, until they've killed two or three, they, you probably don't have their attention. Yeah, they're not spending 30, 40, 50 bucks on a guide. They're just saying, I'm gonna, this is easy. Why would I need to buy a book to figure this out? I can just look this up on Google, right? Same thing with um, uh, uh, buying a high quality, uh, talk about the, the headset example again, yeah. right? Someone who's going to spend five, $600 on a pair of noise-canceling headphones, chances are they tried a couple cheaper options. Exactly. Right? They've yeah. tried the cheap stuff and said, this is garbage. I, I've no, there's no fidelity. I can't enjoy the music. I, all I hear is the airplane noise in the background. Um, it's uncomfortable. It hurts my ears. Um, forget about it. But they have to, again, know what it is that they don't want. They yeah. have to have that experience. Yeah, it's great. There's, there's so much synergy between what you teach and, and, the, and the concepts that we teach in Same Side Selling in terms of this idea of Weed out the bad opportunities. One of the things I often talk about is, look, on your website, have a page that talks about the problems you solve. Because guess what? It's going to be the most traffic page on your site because mm -hmm. that's where people are going to go first. It's like, no, but it's boring. Okay, we'll mm -hmm. see. And 
every one of my clients who does it says, wow, that page gets more traffic than any other page. Go figure. Because people say, well, what kind of problems do you solve? Oh, I have that problem. Now you've got their attention. Totally. People love commiserating over their problems, right? It's the old adage in marketing. Don't tell me about your fertilizer. Tell me more about my crabgrass. Exactly. That's it's, it's exactly it. Now, there's there's a couple other things I want to make sure that we get to. And, okay. and one is this notion of you talk about when when you're trying to get people to sign up for a list. Mm-hmm. One of the big mistakes is that the first thing you ask is give me your email address. Totally. Yep. So talk a little bit about that and what people should be doing instead. Totally. So um, let's fast forward. So the ask method is a multi-step process. And it all begins with what we call that deep dive survey, right? So that's what we've been talking about, that single most important question, that deep dive survey. And that what that does is it uncovers a few things. It helps you understand the natural language patterns, language patterns in your market. So you can speak to your market in the same language that they echo back to you. That's the first thing. The second thing is it helps you identify the buckets, the segments that exist. So when you go through, you're going to find that when you ask this open-ended question, there are trends that emerge. It starts to feel like people are giving you the same response over and over again. You start to get this sense of, I've heard that before. This sounds like a lot of the other responses that I've been getting. And it helps you identify the different segments that exist in your market or what we call the different buckets. Now, you can then translate that to your online marketing efforts. So the deep dive survey might be something you run once. It's a research project that has a beginning and an end. You find out what your buckets are. And then to your question, Ian, on your website, on the page where you ask for someone's email address in exchange for some, you know, an ethical bribe, uh, a free PDF, a free consult, whatever it is that you offer in exchange for their email address. Instead, you can introduce a single multiple choice question before asking for their email. And the question can be as simple as this. Hi, it's Ian here. And I found that the businesses that I work with tend to fall into one of four different buckets or categories. If you take a moment to tell me what best represents the situation you're in, I'll be able to better serve you and customize the information that I provide to you. Click on the link and answer this question. They click on a link or a button, and instead of going straight to asking for their email address, you begin by just answering, asking them to answer a simple multiple choice question. Are you A, B, C, or D? And then after they answer that question, you then take them to your email opt-in step. Now, if you haven't executed this before, it's natural to think, well, adding this additional step Maybe it suppresses your opt-in rate. Maybe it lowers your opt-in rate because you're asking for them, you know, to asking for a visitor to, uh, um, you know, take this additional step. In reality, not only does it often not decrease your opt-in rate, it can actually increase your opt-in rate. And the reason has to do with the psychology of micro commitments. So whenever you ask someone to take any sort of step on your website it is perceived by your prospect as a threat. Any sort of change that we are asked to make in any part of our life, whether that change is positive or negative, our brain says, wait, wait, time out, warning, warning, warning. This change is going to mean work. This change is threatening. And when you ask someone to take the step of entering their email address, the warning bells fire off in their amygdala and the fight or flight response kicks in. And they say, whoa, what is this person going to do with my email address? 
right? It's a threat. Are they going to spam me? Are they going to sell my email address to somewhere else? So the way to hack that fear response in your prospect's brains is to ask a micro-commitment style question, a non-threatening question that doesn't set off the warning bells. And the way to do that is, one way to do that is to ask a simple multiple choice question that asks them, which of the following best describes you? Are you this, 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 or this? Yeah, and, 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 I, and I, I will tell you that when I heard you say that, I thought to myself, Ian, you're an idiot. How did you not think of this before? And then my immediate next thought was, man, that dude Ryan is so smart. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I wish I could claim to, you know, um, you know, have said I and, uh, invented this, but in reality, uh, a lot of this comes from um, the work and studies I did uh, when I was in school. You know, my academic background is in neuroscience. So I spent a lot of time studying and really becoming obsessed about the psychology of fear. And um, I studied the work of Dr. Robert Maurer, who's a researcher out of California, and he spends a lot of time talking about how you can hack your fear response. And this micro-commitment strategy on your website is really just an application of his work applied to the world that you and I live in, in this kind of marketing context. So, you know, I'm, you know there's so many um, uh, small nuances to what we call the ask method that make a big difference. And I'm really glad you brought up this idea of using the micro-commitment question strategy. It's, you know what, it's just, it makes, it makes so much sense. And it's something that now we've, we've included in just about everything we're doing. We're actually incorporating it into our site as well. Um, because candidly, we just we hadn't done it and we messed up, and I'm glad that we uh, that we learned that. Now, for a lot of people, are going to say, "Great, so how do I do all this? How do I manage all these buckets? How do I manage all the software? And it, uh, what? How do I implement this kind of stuff?" And I know that that you've invested in a group that's actually building out this very framework so that people can just plug it in rather than have to start from scratch. Totally. Yes, absolutely. So can you talk a little bit about that? I want to make sure that people know about it. And keep in mind, and I want our listeners to know, this isn't like some, you know, uh, just, you know, blatant, you know, this isn't a pitch for it. It's just when you see the impact that this method can have, you can either build it all from scratch or you can use something that's already designed to do it. And, um, and fortunately, Ryan's done some of that. So can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah, you know, absolutely. So, you know, and I, I know you, um, we touched on a little bit, you know, my story and my background, but, you know, I um, have been executing what's come to be known as the ask method. I'd executed for really the better part of a decade. Um, and um, I, be I became really sick four years ago and almost died after the birth of my first son. And I spent 10 days in ICU and basically kind of had a moment of clarity when it came to terms with my own mortality and decided I wanted to make a much bigger impact on the world. Like we all, I think mean, most of us, people like you, me, and anyone listening to this, we all, we all believe that there's something inside of us that we can do in a major way. We just need to unlock that thing. It's what's you know, drawn us to our calling. And um, for me, my calling was teaching. And so I made a decision to, to publish the book ask, reveal what I consider to be my secret family recipe and teach this marketing methodology. And so we taught, we sold to date nearly 100,000 copies of the book ask across all formats. And the biggest challenge and the thing that's pained me the most Ian, has been the fact that the number one thing holding people back from executing this has been a lack of technology. So I'm a big believer that every 
you know, big idea follows this interesting path. At the most fundamental level, you can think about ask as a philosophy, right? There's this, this philosophy of asking questions to better serve your customers. And that philosophy is something that was espoused uh, uh, and something I uh, absorbed from my mentor, Dr. Glenn Livingston. And then that philosophy is something that I was able to codify into a methodology, what's come to be known as the ask method. But I believe that the highest form, the most evolved form of any idea is transforming that methodology into a technology. Because the technology means that it's a rules-based system. It's the most elegant. It's the most useful. And when you think about it, the world rewards you in the same way. There are a lot of broke philosophy majors, but as far as technologists, if you have a technology that sets the world on fire, the world rewards you for that financially. And I think that's just validation that technology is where it's at. So since I published the book for the last two years, it's been the single biggest pain point for me is that there isn't a piece of technology to execute the ask method. So I literally spent um, you know, the last two years scouring the, the country, spending time in cities around uh, uh, America. It eventually took me to Silicon Valley. Um, and uh, reached out to my, my network in Silicon Valley and um, basically telling them my predicament, that we have this methodology that literally hundreds of thousands of people are using, but the technology in the marketplace isn't sufficient. I almost felt like Steve Jobs in 2001 mm-hmm. when he launched iTunes, and his original vision was to plug into all the MP3 players in the market and then was met with great frustration and pain when he realized that there was nothing in the market that could fulfill his vision of a thousand or a million songs in your pocket. So that's why Apple decided to build the iPod. The rest is history. And so uh, recently, I decided to make a massive investment, a multi-million dollar investment in a technology company that I believe represents the future of segmentation technology online. And this technology, you mentioned it, is called Bucket. Io. And it's technology that allows you to execute all the things that we talked about, asking questions in a way to segment your audience in different directions and then speak to the different segments differently. Um, the technology is called Bucket.io and it's something that I'm making the biggest bet of my life on because I believe in it. I believe in the founders. Um, I believe in the mission and it's so simpatico with everything I think, Ian, that you believe in and that you teach in your methodology um, as well. Yeah, no, it's very consistent. And obviously, we'll link all this stuff up in the show notes so people can make sure to go check it out. I mean, it's just, you know, I, I will tell you that it's rare that I come across something that I say, man, you know what? This is really revolutionary. This can really change the way business gets done. And we often talk to to my clients about, look, you need to understand your customer's voice. And then mm-hmm. people will naturally say, well, how do you do it? And you're providing now the technology and the tools to help that happen, which, I mean, it's very consistent with what we teach in same-side selling. And, you know, there, there are very few things that I see that I'm like, look, I can wholeheartedly endorse this because it just works as effective. And you've obviously, um, you've obviously hit that. Awesome. Awesome. And listen, you know, it's, uh, it's, I love what your work, I love what you're doing. It's like you said, um, it's so simpatico with what I'm doing. It's, um, you know, and so, you know, I'm just uh, you know honored to be able to share this with your audience, and uh, just really grateful for both the work you're doing and uh, and helping to spread you know the message I'm trying to spread as well. 
Excellent. So, Ryan, what's the best way for our listeners to find you online to get a hold of you? Because I'm sure people are going to have questions. Obviously, I can't encourage people enough to, to get a copy of Ask. And by the way, if you're someone who's an Audible listener, that's great. You're also going to want the hard copy or the Kindle version because, trust me, you're going to take a ton of notes. But what's the best way for people to get a hold of you? Yeah. So, you know, the best way to go deeper into what we're talking about today would be to go to askmethod.com. If you go to askmethod.com, we have a free 26-page PDF Ask Method blueprint that walks through everything we've talked about in a way that I think is visually easy to understand. So you can see how all the different pieces fit together. And as Ian mentioned, if you want to um, go a step further, we have the opportunity to get a free copy, physical copy of the book, Ask. Um, all that we ask is that you pay uh, a few dollars shipping and handling, and we'll ship a copy of the book to you anywhere in the world. And I think that's a great next step for anybody who's looking to take a, a, you know, the next step and go deeper into everything we talked about. Excellent. So once again, we'll link that up in the show notes. And Ryan, thanks so much for sharing your wisdom, man. It was a pleasure having you on. Ian, always a pleasure to spend time with you. So grateful and uh, looking forward to the next time. There are so many great takeaways from Ryan's interview. Let me give you a quick 30-second recap of the key things I think you can start to put to work in your business right away. First, make sure that you don't assume and assume that you know what's important to your clients. Second, don't ask the wrong types of questions. You can't just say, what do you want? Instead, you want to ask, what are the biggest challenges you're facing in this area? And that way you uncover more about what their problems are rather than what they're necessarily looking for in the solution because they don't know yet. When you do these surveys, make sure you don't fall into the trap of the myth of the frequently asked question, meaning it's not the most frequently asked question. It's probably the deepest answer that gives you the best insight. And I can't recommend enough Ryan's book, Ask. And let's face it, he'll send you a free copy of it. That's a pretty good deal. Remember, this show gets its direction from you, the listener. If there's a guest you think I should have on the show, if there's a topic you'd like me to cover, just drop me a note at ian at ianaltman.com. Just know that anytime you put a review up on iTunes, I'd read every word and I really appreciate them. Have an amazing week. Add value and grow revenue in a way everyone can embrace, even your customers.